Good morning. And as I mentioned uh, in the Sunday school hour, it's uh, it's very strange strange to be here without being here on Friday and Saturday. But we are here, so it's good to be here. And uh, thank you, Pastor, for the invite um, to come back again. Um, <coughs> Robin is um, a little bit weary today. She catered for the, um, as I again mentioned this morning, for the VIP dinner, Christmas dinner last night. I think we had 50 in attendance. And uh, she's a little bit weary this morning, so she did not make the, the trip up. But um, <coughs> she's doing well, and uh, it's good to be back. Good to see this beautiful pulpit. Wow. This is... Uh, now, I don't know whether this makes you preach any better. Um, uh, I don't know, Pastor. Maybe it makes you preach longer. I don't know. <laughs> but... Um, <coughs> and we've got twin microphones. This looks rather fancy. Um, are we going live this morning as well? We are going live, so I better behave myself. All righty. Uh, <laughs> uh, <coughs> so I, I'm, I better not sneeze or get the hiccups, which is what, I, what often happens. I get hiccups in the pulpit, which is really embarrassing. So we trust we'll get through this. Uh, let's take our Bibles, please, to um, <coughs> Ezekiel chapter 15. Ezekiel chapter 15. Samuel, could I bother you for a nice big glass of water, please? Good Clarence River water. <laughs> oh, I tell you what, this morning I drove over your new bridge for the first time. It's 12 months since I've been here. Straight over the bridge, that's amazing, eh? You actually, uh, you have two bridges now. The other one's still going. What function does that have? What, what do they use the old bridge for? It's for fish, fishing off, is it? <laughs> um, what does the old bridge do? Oh, you, to get to South Grafton. Right. Oh, same as the new. So now, oh, okay, now you've got two bridges. Right. Okay, so that, that, uh, it's just one upmanship on Copps Harbour. Thank you. We don't have any bridges there. Oh, we've got your water. Yeah, 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 yeah. Beautiful, beautiful water. Uh, <clears throat> so, um, yeah, Coffs Harbour just has the tourists and the humidity, whereas up here in Grafton, everything is beautiful here, cool. You've got the jacarandas, the new bridge, the beautiful, cool summers. It's just... Uh, <laughs> you know, when Robin was a little girl, she grew up in Coffs Harbour, and um, uh, she, they used to come, her and her parents used to come to Grafton to go shopping back in the early, late 60s, early 70s, whenever it was. So Grafton was the big shopping trip, you know, a couple of times a year. But I um, <clears throat> still love Grafton. It's, um, it's a great place. Uh, because of the people, of course. Ezekiel chapter 15. I'm going to read the chapter here. It's just a little chapter. And then we'll get to my outline for this morning. The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, what is the vine tree more than any tree or than a branch which is among the trees of the forest. Shall wood be taken thereof to do any work, or will men take a pin of it to hang any vessel thereon? Behold, it is cast into the fire for fuel. The fire devoureth both the ends of it, and the midst of it is burned. Is it meat for any work? 
Behold, when it was whole, it was meat for no work. How much less shall it be meat yet for any work, when the fire hath devoured it, and it is burned? Therefore thus saith the Lord God, As the vine tree among the trees of the forest, which I have given to the fire for fuel, so will I give the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And I will set my face against them. They shall go out from one fire, and another fire shall devour them. And ye shall know that I am the Lord, when I set my face against them. And I will make the land desolate, because they have committed a trespass, saith the Lord God. And let's pray and ask for God's blessing. Thank you, dear Lord, for the Lord's day. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you, Lord, that we can meet uh, in person. Uh, Lord, unlike uh, it was some months ago and still is most probably in some parts of the world, uh, Lord, we thank you, Father, and we pray that you'll be with us now as we look at your word. Please speak to our hearts. Touch someone's heart this morning. Draw us closer to yourself, and we pray for the work of the Spirit of God his filling, his anointing this morning. Uh, please, Lord, meet with us, we pray. We'll give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak to you this morning on scrawny Christians. Uh, <clears throat> have you ever... I, I like visiting forests. Um, I know... Um, I'm not sure how many forests there are around Grafton. Maybe there's a few somewhere. Because you've got, you've got your beautiful jacarandas which are just magnificent uh, by anyone's description. Um, but I know uh, there used to be a tree in Coffs Harbour. I think it was called the Grandest Tree. It was a huge, great tree like this you could visit, just, just sort of up, um, just north of the town there. Uh, I think it fell down. But anyway, I remember years ago, um, I used to visit that tree. I love, I love going to forests and looking at trees. Everyone loves trees. One of my favourite places in all the world is, is Rotorua in New Zealand. I've been there many. I've done 28 trips to New Zealand. And there's a redwood forest just on the outskirts of Rotorua in the middle of the North Island. And it's just an incredible place if you want a bit of solitude uh, to go walking through the redwoods. And it's just a fantastic place to visit. Um, I've driven through the Sequoia National Park in uh, Northern California. And again, it's got those big trees that... Uh, like gigantic, there was a picture, I don't think this tree is around anymore, but there was a, a commonly known uh, uh, photograph of a tree. They actually cut a, cut a hole in the tree and you could drive a car through it. That's how big the tree was. They're gigantic trees and I've been to, to that particular national park and uh, uh, trees are magnificent things. They really are. When we get to uh, Ezekiel chapter 15... God is speaking through Ezekiel to the nation of Israel and he's contrasting the vine with all other trees. What is verse 2? The vine tree more than any tree or than a branch which is among the trees of the forest. Now the vine, uh, there are different vines. We assume they're talking about the, the grape vine but there are different vines in, uh, in, in the world, but a vine is a scrawny little piece of vegetation. And uh, <clears throat> the prophet went on to say, listen, if you, uh, um, <clears throat> or, or God was saying to, to Israel through the prophet Ezekiel, can you take a vine and do any work with it? 
And of course the answer is no, you can't. In fact, he said, um, verse, verse 3, will men take a pin of it to hang any vessel thereon? In other words, you can't even make a clothes peg out of a vine. It's too scraggly, it's too scrawny, it's too thin. You can't do anything with a vine. The wood, is, the wood of a vine is not worth anything. Whether it's a great vine or whether it's a passion fruit vine, doesn't matter. It's just a little scraggly bit like this. And he said, uh, and it's no good, you can't use it as firewood. And he said, even if you do use it as firewood, um, after it's come out of the fire, it's even more useless. It's completely useless. You see, a vine is good for one thing. A vine is good for bearing fruit. That's why a vine is a wonderful thing. It's there to bear fruit. But if a vine doesn't bear fruit, it's useless. And you just rip it up, pull it out. And he goes on to contrast uh, the vine with the tree and, and talking about Israel. You know, Israel was supposed to be, and at one stage it was, a fruitful nation. It was not barren, it was fruitful. Jacob gave the prophecy concerning Joseph in Genesis 49. He said, Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well whose branches run over the wall. You see, Israel was supposed to be fruitful. That, that's why God made... Israel was a, was a scrawny little nation. Israel wasn't the cedars of Lebanon. Israel wasn't Rome or Greece or Syria or Babylon. Israel was this tiny, scrawny little country. But God put his love and his favour upon the nation of Israel, even though it was just a tiny little country. And God blessed, at least at one stage in their history, God blessed them and they were fruitful. They were a fruitful nation despite their tiny size. But once they became a barren nation, once they left serving God, they became useless. And God said, because of that, I'm going to just throw you into the fire, the fire of affliction. And that's what God did. God numerous times had to bring affliction on Israel. You know, God has saved his children, those of us who belong to the Lord, those of us who are born-again believers, God has saved us to be fruitful. Fruitful. And I want us to focus on <clears throat> that uh, uh, concept this morning, the concept of being fruitful. So take your Bibles, come back to uh, John chapter 15, please. John chapter 15. John chapter 15. where Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. <clears throat> God has saved his children to be fruitful. Interesting in verse 8, and I want to focus on verse 8 just for a few moments. This is what Jesus said. He said, Herein is my father glorified that ye bear much fruit. How do we bring glory to God? By bearing fruit. And not just fruit, but much fruit. So God has saved us to be fruitful. Now we may be scrawny Christians, we may be straggly Christians, <clears throat> doesn't matter, as long as we're fruitful, that's, that's what brings glory to God. And God wants to be glorified and we should be interested above all other things in bringing glory to God. 
So we need to bear fruit. And let me give you my little outline. As I said, I have a little outline here. It's very short. And then we'll be finished <clears throat> this morning. Number one, the necessity of fruit bearing. The necessity of fruit bearing. Now we have to ask the question, what is the fruit of a Christian? What is the fruit of a Christian? Now we could go over to Galatians 5, uh, and, but we won't for time's sake this morning. <clears throat> we could go to Galatians 5 and learn all about the fruit of the Spirit. Now the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith, so on. They are the attributes of the Spirit of God. Because remember, the Spirit of God is God. They are God's attributes that are not natural to us, but we can have those attributes if we walk after the Spirit. They are the attributes of God that God wants to <clears throat> show forth through His children. But strictly speaking, that is the fruit of the Spirit. And by the way, that's, how, that's one great way. That's how we should advertise Christ. By the fruit of the Spirit, working through our lives. Now, you know what comes natural to the flesh? The works of the flesh. <laughs> Those things come natural. They're the things that come easy. Because we still have to deal with these flesh, this fleshly, our fleshly bodies. But the fruit of the Spirit is available to each and every child of God if we walk after the Spirit. And so in a sense, yes, that is the fruit, fruit of a Christian. Strictly speaking, it's the fruit of the Spirit working through the lives of Christians. But what is the fruit of a Christian? <clears throat> John chapter 15, verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. But we've got to read the second part of the verse here. So shall ye be my disciples. So shall ye be my disciples. Now keep a bookmark there and come over here to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. So keep a bookmark there in John chapter 15. I want to just look at this little word for just a moment. Disciples. So shall ye be my disciples. Matthew 28 and verse, verse 19. Go ye therefore, this is the Great Commission, Go ye therefore and, what's that word? Anyone awake this morning? Teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Now it's very interesting there. <clears throat> the word teach there is basically the same word as the word disciples in John 15 verse 8. Now in John 15 8... The word is a noun, okay? A noun is like a, it's a thing. Well, a thing or a person or a place. But of course the word in John, in Matthew 28 is a verb. Go ye therefore and teach. It's a, a verb is a doing word. I remember that from school. So we have two different forms but it's the same word. The word teach, the word disciple. So the fruit of a Christian, so shall ye be my disciples. Or what's a disciple? It's a, a learner of Christ. And of course a true disciple is not just a learner of Christ, but it's someone who teaches someone else to become a learner of Christ. So what's he saying here? 
This is how my Father is glorified. We glorify my Father when you bear much fruit. And that's by being a disciple, a teacher of someone else to be a learner. The fruit of a Christian, right? Keep a bookmark there in John 15. And very quickly, come over to Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11. And I've often spoken to Pastor Mitchell on this verse. If we tried to figure out what it means. <laughs> Proverbs 11 and verse 30. Proverbs 11 and verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that winneth souls is wise. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. It's not just a piece of fruit, but it's a tree. Or in other words, fruit bearing fruit. Then it says, he that winneth souls is wise. Now, of course, your classic sermons, and I've most probably preached a few of these myself, is that uh, you know, we, we need to be soul winners. And that's true, 100% true. But what did it mean back in... Proverbs times, to be a soul winner. I mean, did, was Solomon saying, listen, you need to take the Romans road and go tent to tent? <laughs> um, again, I'm all for going tent to tent and I'm all for the Romans road. But what did the verse actually mean back then? You see, when we get a Bible verse, we need to go and figure out what did it mean back then? We can apply it today, but we need to try and figure out what it meant back then. Well, winning souls there evidently means to to seize, to fetch, or to take. And my imagination goes this way, that, you know, back in, in the days of Solomon, Israel was a very fruitful nation. Still a tiny nation, but their influence in the days of Solomon, when the Proverbs were penned down, uh, was, uh, was quite wide. And, of course, there are a lot of nations that lived around about this little nation of Israel. And, uh, and so I imagine that um, to win souls was to go and to fetch or to seize or to take those that were around about the nation of Israel. Now obviously they didn't have the Romans road in those days. But they could have told people, and it was obvious to the nations round about, and this was the case for many, many years. It was obvious that God was the true God. The God of Israel, Jehovah, was the only true God and that God really blessed this little nation. And I'm sure there are many that, that, had, that, that had business dealings with people, the nations round about, or, or friends or maybe relatives. And I'm sure many of them, maybe they didn't go tent to tent, but they would have gone and said, listen, Come and worship the God of Israel. Leave those, leave those idols. Leave Ashtoreth and leave Baal and, and leave all that stuff. They're just gods of wood and stone. Come and worship the true God with us. Come and meet the true God. Let's fetch, let's seize, let's take some of these souls. The Bible says, he that winneth souls is wise. It's a wise thing to reproduce yourself. You know, when... Uh, when uh, <clears throat> The nation of Israel went out of Egypt. Remember, they had to go quickly because of the plagues. And God says, you just, just get out. You know, a mixed multitude went out with them. There was a heap of, heap of people, and, they, and actually some of them actually caused trouble down the track. We know that. But there's a heap of people said, listen, we, we, <laughs> we see what God's doing here. We don't want to hang around in Egypt anymore. Can we come along? 
And even later on when they instituted the, uh, not long after that, they instituted the Passover. And the Passover was not just for the Israelis, but people who were in the land. If they wanted to follow Jehovah, they could observe the Passover. Seizing souls for Christ. Now, witnessing or soul winning, that's, that's part of it. That's part of being a soul winner. Sharing Christ with others. But that's just part of it. It's making disciples. It's making disciples. It's training others to be disciples and then training them to make disciples. That is reproduction for the Christian. Hey, what is the fruit of the young family? My family. Now, we could say, well, maybe it's kindness. Well, kindness is a good thing, and I hope that my kids are kind. I hope that my grandkids are kind. I'm not sure whether they are. I hope they are. I think they're kind. Um, I hope. Um, I hope they have some life skills. I hope that uh, my grandkids learn life skills from, uh, well, from their, from my wife. <laughs> Um, I hope they learn some. I, I hope we've taught enough life skills to my kids that they and, and I think they're doing okay. They can tie their shoelaces and and um, you know make a piece of toast and and so on. And character, character is a good thing. I hope I, I trust that my my kids who are all grown now. I trust that they've got character. I trust that they're teaching character to their kids, our grandkids, and and that's all a wonderful thing. But you know, really, the, the fruit of the young family. I've got Jesse. Uh, and Lydia, well Lydia's an in-law, I've got David and Hannah, we've got uh, Sarah and Andrew, he's a ring in too, uh, we've got Grace but there, and then, then, then we've got Alex, Nick, Harry, Ted, we've got uh, Molly, we've got Anne, six, I've only got six grandkids at the moment, hopefully there'll be heaps more. And then maybe one day there'll be great, I mean I know I'm not old enough to even have grandkids but maybe one day maybe one day there'll be great grandkids you never know I think the Lord might come back before then but if he doesn't and the Lord spares my life maybe I'll have uh, anyone here have great grandkids anyone oh miss grandma D has great grandkids she's not old enough to have great grandkids <laughs> but that's the fruit of the young family is other little young'uns running around <laughs> that's the fruit you know, we need to ask ourselves, do, do I have fruit to my account? Are there others that I've helped reach for Christ? Are there others that I've helped train in the ways of the Lord so that they would mature in Christ and then themselves become fruit bearers? The fruit of the righteous is not a piece of fruit. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Fruit bearing fruit. That's what it's all about. That's what church is all about. That's why you have positive action for Christ. That's why you have uh, uh, Sunday school. That's why you have, um, what do you have Friday nights? Awana. Sorry, Awana. That's why I have these ministries. Why? Because we want, we want to see some fruit. And we want to see that fruit down the track bearing fruit. Ask yourself, is there fruit to my account? Is there fruit to my account or am I just out by myself doing my own thing? <clears throat> the necessity of fruit. 
We need to have fruit to our account. Then there's the necessity of purging. This is the part that's a bit uncomfortable. Back in John chapter 15 and verse 2. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, I'm not much of a gardener. In fact, I'm a hopeless gardener. I really am. Um, I just like... Robin is a very good gardener and I just like eating the, uh, uh, the fruit, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the taster, and, uh, and that's fine. <clears throat> um, I'm hopeless at gardening. But I do know something. If you grow most things, most things have to be purged or pruned, have to be cut back. And you can cut, I know maybe there's a few rose growers here, and you get a rose bush and you cut that back to virtually, there's virtually nothing left. And yet the next year, up come the roses again. It has to be cut back. This is the uncomfortable part about um, fruit bearing. Because sometimes God has to get rid of the hindrances to fruit bearing. And many Christians do not bear fruit because they don't like that process. They don't like the process of purging or pruning. But that's how God works in our lives. He he, he cuts us back sometimes and, and when you cut something it causes a bit of pain. And God allows things into our lives and we think, why me, Lord? I know some people, they say all the time, why me? Why does this happen to me? <clears throat> well, oftentimes we don't know why. But if we're walking with God and our hearts are right with God, we know that God has our best interests at heart because he wants us to bear fruit so that he will get the glory. And so we must let God have his way in our lives. The necessity of purging. And then there's the necessity of sowing. We won't turn there, but in Galatians 6, <clears throat> talks all about sowing and reaping. And there's the universal principle that we reap in proportion to our sowing. We will reap according to how we sow. So if we, sp if we sow sparingly, and this is true in all areas of life, if we sow sparingly, we will reap sparingly. If we sow bountifully, we will reap bountifully. The story goes about the, the farmer who uh, decided to hold back a lot of his grain, his seed. And so his barns were um, uh, <clears throat> three quarters full of seed. But of course when it came time for harvest, he didn't have much harvest. He wanted to hang on to the seed instead of sowing it. But there is the necessity of sowing. And then lastly this morning, there's the necessity, and this doesn't seem, <coughs> this doesn't seem to fit the outline, but it does. The necessity of warfare. The necessity of warfare. You see, the one thing that Satan hates, or one thing that Satan hates, is fruitful Christians. He hates fruitful Christians. He hates Christians that are bearing fruit. Why, did, why do you think Satan hates Christians that are fruitful? Because as we bear fruit, we give glory to God. Jesus said that. He said, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. You see, God doesn't want, uh, Satan doesn't want God glorified. He wants the glory. 
And so he will do everything he can to stop Christians from being fruit-bearing and for bearing much fruit. And that's why he, uh, Ephesians 6, he throws darts at us. In fact, he, he throws fiery darts at us. And they hurt sometimes. Thankfully, God has given us the armour and so on. We know all about that. Shield of faith and helmet of salvation and so on. But you know, Satan will throw all sorts of darts. He'll throw the darts, the dart of distraction. And he will make Christians distracted from keeping the main thing the main thing. Just to get us away from bearing much fruit. Well, what's the application from all of this? Well, we do live in the last days, there's no doubt about that. We can spend our time doing many good things. Good things. Worthwhile things. But we need to ask ourselves, is, is my life bearing fruit? That's, that's, that's what it boils down to. Am I bearing fruit? Am I bearing fruit for the Lord? We can be distracted with good things. I don't know who said this, but it was a saying that I learnt back in the 1970s. The good is often the enemy of the best. The good is often the enemy of the best. And for many Christians, even many, uh, some in this building this morning, <clears throat> you know, Satan can, can try and get us to get into getting drunk of a Saturday night. That's most, probably not going to work with most people here. He can try and get you hooked on drugs, and if, and if he would, he could. He can try all those things, but most probably it's not going to work. It may work, but with most of us, that's not going to work. So what he'll do, he'll try the dart of distraction, as we've mentioned before. He'll say, listen, put your, put your efforts into good things, moral things, fun things that are in themselves, nothing wrong with that. But put your, all your time and effort into those things, <clears throat> And we can spend so much time doing good things that we're not doing the best things. Because the good is often the enemy of the best. Jude said that we need to be snatching souls from the burning. Because our time is very short, folks. Our time is short. When is Jesus going to return? We don't know. Is it going to be in our lifetime? At a guess, I think it is, but we don't know that. We don't know. We just know that the Lord Jesus said, you can only work when it's daytime. Of course, the night is coming when no man can work. When the trumpet sounds and when Christ comes back to the clouds and we're taken up to meet him in the air, our, our, our opportunity to be fruit, bearing, uh, fruit bearers, that's finished then. It's finished. It's, it's gone. We'll be doing different things. Now is the time to be fruit bearers. You say, how do, how do we do that? We become soul winners. We're, we, we need to be out sowing the gospel, whether that's gospel tracts, whether it's talking to someone else, whether it's inviting them to church, whatever it is, engaging in conversation with others. That's what we're supposed to do as Christians. You say, yeah, but we've got pastors. That's their job. Well, no, it's everyone's job. It's every Christian's job to do that. That's our job. We're supposed to be sowing the seed. And then, 
I know the ministries are sort of drawing to a close here because it's, it's good to have a rest. Despite the fact we've had a, a strange year, ministry-wise. And isn't it funny that everyone I know is tired at the moment. Is that the same here or is it just in Coffs Harbour? Everyone is tired, even though the ministries in, in, in some ways haven't been in full swing. But everyone's tired. And that's fine. Maybe we need, need a rest. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's coming a time when it's time to get back into ministry. And that means <clears throat> bearing fruit. That means making disciples. That means investing your lives in others. Whether that's through teen ministry or Sunday school or youth ministry or Awana or whether it's just finding a friend somewhere and having a Bible study with someone or whatever it might be. We need to be fruit bearers. Where there's a whole there's a heap of things we could be doing. Things that are good. <clears throat> but if they're not with the aim of bearing fruit, they so often get in the way. Here's the application. We need to get focused on bringing glory to God and we bring glory to God by bearing much fruit. We need to make sure that we are clean, that we keep short accounts with God because God cannot use dirty vessels. And then we need to get empowered by walking after the Spirit of God. And then we need to get busy preaching the gospel to as many as we can while we can. <clears throat> I find Christmas time is an easy time to witness. I spend all week giving out tracts. I just say, here, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Give them a gospel tract. Same gospel tract I've been giving out all year, but it's just a good, good way to... People will take, they'll take a gospel tract this time of year. Let's, let's use the holiday time. Let's use Christmas season. Let's use the new year to keep sowing the seed wherever we go. Don't, don't knock off. Have a rest for sure. Ministry-wise, have a rest. Whatever you do, that's, that's good. That's, that's good. But as in our personal lives, let's keep sowing the seed. Let's be looking to be fruit bearers for the Lord Jesus Christ because that's what brings glory to God the Father. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God. And dear Lord, <clears throat> we may be a bunch of scrawny Christians, um, but Lord, we can bear fruit. And I pray that you raise up some fruit bearers, Lord, those that will be witnessing and training and teaching and investing in the lives of others. Lord, we thank you for those that have been trained and discipled and are now discipling others. But Lord, there's so many more. I pray that you'll raise up fruit bearers for your name and for your glory. Thank you for our time in the word of God this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Pastor.